All right, everybody, I want to thank you guys for joining in again to another episode and edition of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I always say that I'm excited, and any time that we log on, I'm very excited, but I'm excited to have Servant Leader Brian Catanella with us, and I'm going to tell you why. Because when I reached out to Brian, one of the best parts about this, if people don't see, is the behind the scenes. When I reached out to Brian, you already know those calls are going to be amazing when you talk like you knew each other already. And even though he allowed me to gloat about my cold weather in Tallahassee, Florida, I said it was freeze. You guys, he's up north, so you catch the joke in that. But just super excited to have him, author of Lead with Love, and I'm super excited we're going to talk about that today, but also a coach, um, just a man of God. And all the time I say, the biggest servant leaders are the ones that not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk. So we're going to hear from Brian today. I'm super excited to have you on. One of the things I always say is I thank you for your time, especially in this Christmas week, because time is very limited. So I thank you for being on today. And I'm going to pass the torch to you just to kind of introduce yourself, and we'll get this conversation going. Oh, thanks so much for having me today. And uh, yeah, it's a great week. It's, uh, it's a hectic week, as you mentioned, right? It's Christmas week, but it's a, it's a joyful week and uh, honored to be here. Uh, a little bit about myself. I, I coach youth football, so maybe a little different in the coaching role. Uh, I coach, I have nine and eight-year-old boys, and so I coach the tackle football team uh, in our town, Morristown, New Jersey. I uh, was head coach this past year, really just being around my kids and, and sharing uh, not only with them, but also being able to, you know, instill some great character and values into the kids in our town uh, was just such an honor this past year. So uh, from a coaching aspect there, uh, I work full-time as a consultant. So I actually work in finance. Um, so that's, that's the day job, right? And then uh, from a calling standpoint, it's really working with the youth and also writing. Uh, and most recently put out my first book, Lead with Love. So, uh, you know, just in terms of being able to serve the Lord and you know, really looking for opportunities in our community, uh, whether it's with, with my family, with the kids around our town, and then also in some urban areas that we deal with that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit as well, Chelsea, uh, today. Absolutely. And I love it because you hit right on the very reason why this platform exists and why God continues to take it where he does is because of the many hats that you wear. You said, you know, it's a little bit different because I coach youth lead. And I and starting out, just kind of open this conversation up one of the hugest pieces of not only servant leadership, but so many qualities of life is laying the foundation. I'm on the other end of the spectrum of you. I have high school students and there's so many values. I mean, we can even talk about adults, but there's so many values that they're missing. Can you talk a little bit about, and keeping in mind that this is a servant leadership platform, some of the things, we know you teach them X's and O's, but what are some of the things that you teach those young, cute little men um, in terms of of being a man as they grow? What are some of the things you teach them outside of the lines of the field? That's a great question. So this year, uh, I have to be honest, it, it was less about wins and losses in particular because it was a really young team, right? We yeah. were a good year younger. So the nine and 10 year old league, almost all our kids were nine years old. Um, and certainly we wanted them to compete and we certainly worked on that. Um, but we developed the program this, uh, this year, every week we had a word of the week. And so uh, we, we base that on character. We spelled out the word uh, character, whether it be courage, uh, honor, um, accountability, uh, all these great 
themes week by week that we worked with the players. And, and it stemmed from what the week was like, right? We had a really tough week of practice and maybe we didn't come out that week. Uh, compete was a word one week for us because it was important that we showed our best, that the kids really gave their best effort uh, for the, you know, on the practice field for the coaches that were certainly yeah. volunteering their time for the parents that were spending time freezing in the uh, stands. You know, it was important, but it came down to character. What are we developing? Who are these young people becoming as young men in the future? Who are they going to be in 10 years? Who are they going to be in 20, 30 years? When they look back, you know, and they're thinking about, hey, I remember that coach. He, he spent that time. He looked me in the eyes. He believed in me. So um, we really worked hard on that this past season. And uh, it's something funny enough. I, I think I may consider writing a book on one day because that the character, um, just working through that theme, there's so much depth there on a football field. And football is just a platform, right? It could be basketball. It could be theater. It could be, you know, science class, uh, computer, whatever it is. But the, the platform for football, it gives you that opportunity to connect. You know, you're sweating out there. You're working hard. The, the kids are, are yeah. working on teamwork. There's so many great things you can pull from that. Um, but football itself isn't what builds character. It's, it's having the time that you spend in there to develop those kind of conversations before they hit the field, after they hit the field, uh, about what really matters that, that we really try to focus on this year. I think that's amazing what you said. And two, one, I'm going to definitely implement that into one of the things that I do with my young ladies, because I think it's golden, you know, and especially the application of applying that word of the week to where you currently and presently stand. I think effective leadership is leadership that actually has substance, um, leadership that allows the young people and the adults to know that there's a reason behind what we do. And I think that there's the importance of sports in general, right? There's so many qualities of sports, just like you said. I don't care which you, sport you play. It teaches so many values that we still use and learn today. I bet you we remember when we played sports, being on time and what happened when we weren't. And so even though there's no coach and there's no penalty of running, when we go to work, we're there on time, you know, and, and, and those are intangibles that work with that crossover into, you know, the sports that we coach and the people that we lead. So I think that's amazing. I want to branch a little bit more on that word character. And, you know, we hear that word and I think it is very important. I'll tell anybody, you know, I really do not care the opinions of many. But one of the things that really is something that will pretty much hit me in a sore spot is when someone comes at my character. I say that all the time because I value that more than any part of myself and my life because my character, it's what I do when no one's paying attention. It's what I do when there's nothing that I'm trying to gain from it. I just want to do good and be good. I say that all the time. And so in talking about servant leadership and that word character, when you say the word character, what are some of the things that you look for as a consultant, as a coach? What are some of those values you're looking at a person with good, strong character? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me personally, um, you know, I, I'm a believer. I read scripture every morning. I you know, get deep into the word, um, you know, working through the coach's Bible, the FCA coach's Bible on a daily basis recently. And then I follow, I have a spreadsheet, love that, and uh, follow a spreadsheet reading plan. It takes me through the Bible about every six months if I stick and you know, make every single day. Um, and so that, that's where I start every single morning. It's in, in the word, it's in prayer. Um, to me, it is, you know, from a character standpoint, it's starting from that foundation of knowing I'm a child of God, knowing I am deeply flawed and in need of grace. 
um, and, and knowing that, you know, I, I'm so joyful because of God's love that I want to get out there and express it to others. And if it's not about that, if it's about something other than that, if it's about me, if it's about my reputation, if it's about, um, you know, the, me winning something or how I look, it's, that's not character-based in my opinion, right? It, it should start with um, that foundation. And so, you know, while every kid that I coach doesn't necessarily have that same faith background, I think if we're walking the walk, like you said, if we're living it, if they see just, you know, daily interactions, if they can see that living and breathing, my hope is they want more of that in their lives. And, you know, not to go too much off the trail here, but that I, I came to faith in my young 30s and it came from meeting somebody and sports are involved. We'll talk about this later. Um, but I, I met someone that I said, wow, I, I want what they have. And they were just so filled with the Holy Spirit, so filled with joy. Wow. So, you know, it, it's, it's having that impact um, in terms of, you know, living it, walking the walk. I think it's St. Francis of Assisi said, you know, preach the gospel, use words if necessary, right? It's how you're, it's how you're living each day. So um, that, that's how I start in terms of what I want to exhibit to those kids. And then, yeah, right, there's, there's certain angles of sports where you can teach toughness. You can teach, you know, the right attitude. You can teach you're late for practice, you're running laps. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that from a character standpoint of, hey, I'm a team, I'm, I'm part of a team and what I do impacts everybody else around me. And I think that's a different maybe aspect of character that um, I don't want to say tough love per se, but love and truth, right? It's love and truth uh, in, in terms of bringing them what they need to hear each, each day for that particular uh, player or individual. I think that is golden. And one of the things that I love so much that you said, you, you stated that I'm joyful because of God's love and I want to express that with others. You know, it's the humility part that exudes through you that allowed me to reach out. You know, I tell people all the time, my prayer is God, you know, whoever you would have to come on, you let and lead and have your way, right? And so every moment that we connect, I don't care if it's by email, whatever the case may be, you do it with so much grace and humility. And so I'm so reminded of the assistant coach at Georgia State, and I bring him up often because it was perfect. He said, you know, it's not our jobs to Bible beat and constantly read scripture at people and tell them what they should think, believe, and know. It's our job, like you said, to walk the walk. It's our job to live out how God has instructed us to in his playbook, which is the word that you said I have right beside me, you know? And when we do that, exactly what you just said, people pay attention. They recognize there's a difference. And once they do, it piques their interest I want what you have. I want that joy that you're expressing. I want that calmness and that peace that comes over you when I'm in the same predicament or situation as you and, you know, I'm moving forward. You can go get some water, boo. You're good. <laughs> my, yeah, I'm a little co-host. She's trying to be quiet. Uh, got my kids with me today. Um, but I love how you stated that at the end of the day, it's about doing the will of God. It's not about an award. It's not about a certificate. It is legitimately about doing the will of God. And I think that's amazing. And, and it expresses through what you do. You know, you mentioned this coach, you know, and I think that is, I don't think I know that's why coaches and leaders are so important because 
they have a huge part into the development of young people and who they are to become. You know, we assume that when they're home, that they're going to get everything. And they spend just as much time, if not more, with us. And we have a obligation to these babies to teach, to grow, to mold them. And you spoke about somebody who impacted your life. And that leads me to my next question for you. We all as leaders have somebody, I don't care if it's a coach, I don't care a parent, that has really impacted us in, in, in an influential way to help us get where we were and left and imparted a lot of wisdom in us. Who's that person you speak of? And can you talk a little bit about how they helped you along your path? Yeah, yeah. The, the, so the book, Leave with Love, uh, I might get a little choked up here, so bear with me. But uh, gotcha. the book, Leave with Love, actually comes from a phrase that, that they shared with me and in, in me and my wife in, in a tougher situation. And it's actually a, a, a former pastor of ours who's since retired. Um, and I'll, I'll give you the Cliffs notes. But, um, you know, as mentioned, I, I grew up, uh, maybe quote unquote religious, right? I, my, my father's Catholic, my mother's Methodist. I went to church, I checked the box, I went to Catholic high school, but I didn't have a faith that was my own. I didn't have um, a relationship with Christ. And so I, I think, you know, being a little bit lost up until uh, young 30s type frame, time frame and having kids. And, uh, and then once you have, you know, have your kid, then you start thinking, oh, I got to get him baptized. We got to find a church. So God led me to this church uh, through my wife. She met our pastor at a Habitat for Humanity meeting and connected us. And I had no idea what doors were about to open in front of me. I was not expecting it and was not focused on it at all. And so um, met our pastor as we had conversations about getting our, our, our oldest son baptized. Um, and we were just sitting on the couch and my wife was putting our young son to bed and we started talking football and we said, he said, Oh, you played at, at Williams college. He's like, you know, I, I beat Williams college my, my senior year. And I said, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And so we started going back. And so he played at Trinity, played at another school and we just connected very, very, you know, just informally, but sports has that beautiful connection, right? When you can start you know, giving each other some jabs about what team did what to the other team and rivalries. And, oh, I remember my junior year, we beat them by 40 points. How about that? You know, those kind of things. So uh, we were just having fun, just kind of going back and forth. And then that relationship just sparked. And and he was that person that I just, you know, felt like, wow, that, you know, that's somebody that, I, that he's a man of God. He is somebody that I look up to where I have not experienced um, that Holy Spirit flowing through somebody else like I did in, in becoming friends uh, with him, with, with Dr. Miller is his name. And so uh, that relationship opened my eyes to um, wanting to, to know more about the Bible, to reading scripture, um, to dedicating my life to Christ, uh, to, to totally taking the next you know, major steps. And, uh, and he's helped me so much along the way and, and is a very, very dear friend. So um, Lead But Love, the, the book, uh, just to give you a little context, basically his advice in, in a tough situation was, you know, you, you can never go wrong if you lead with love. You know, if you, if you take the step and you meet somebody out there out of love, um, it, it's going to point you in the right direction. It may not always be the reaction you want from that person but it's going to point you in the right direction. You're going to be faithfully serving God by doing that. Um, so, you know, sports play a role there in that conversation. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a coach 
and uh, and we certainly text each other every year as our schools play and and uh, give each other a lot of junk over it. But we have a good time about it as well. I think that's so awesome. And you said something that was perfect. And I say it all the time. That makes so much sense. Sport. I don't care which sport it is. It has a way of connecting people. It has a way of leveling the playing field in people. It has a way of connecting you with people that you may not have ever spoken to. And that is why even with on this on this platform, I love that it is dealing with those of in the athletic profession and background because it allows us to meet in the same place. And when we can do that, exactly who would have thought starting there talking about your alma maters and where you went to school and playing for them could lead to a mentorship, could lead to, you know, pretty much a pivotal moment within your faith, you know, journey. And I think that is so amazing. I really do. And leading with love, I think that is amazing what you said, because all the times we're not going to agree, but when we lead with love, it places our hearts in the right place to hear. You know, so often we have an issue with communication because people fail to realize communication works both ways, right? We have to listen and more than we speak. But we also have to understand that we're not going to agree, but can we meet with grace? And I think that that was so well put and so perfectly put. So shout out to, is it Dr. Miller? Yes, it is. Yep. Shout out to Dr. Miller, because I think that's amazing, you know, and talking a little bit more about your faith, right? And recognizing that you said something that I say all the time, you know, we grow up and I don't care at what point that grow up is. We were either taught, you know, as you said, I grew up religious and I think that is exactly what happens. We go to church, we do all those things that are scheduled, right? But there's a pivotal moment in each one of our lives where we begin to have that foundation and that faith of our own, you know, and when we can possess that relationship with Christ on our own, I think it does something different for us. Can you talk a little bit about that faith that you talked about that was developed on your own and how your faith drives you on a day-to-day basis as, as a consultant, as a father, as a husband, and as an author. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that, that is the, the driving force in my life. That is what completely shifted my perspective, shifted what mattered to me, um, what I spent my time focused on, you know, I, I you know, before, committing my life to Christ. It was more about achievement. It was more about results. It was more about um, material things. And I think, and it's it's not like a, a light switch in the sense of Brian is completely different, um, you know, from, an, from the outside in maybe necessarily right away. Um, it, it, it's definitely something that people would notice and, and would see but it's grown. It, it continues to develop. It's the Holy Spirit working in me. Um, and it's, it, I think, something I would advise somebody, maybe if they're a new uh, follower of Christ, don't be too hard on yourself, right, when you make that choice. Because um, I was really hard on myself at first, like, wait a minute, why am I still thinking about that? You know, that, that was the old me, this is the new me, and, and we are yeah. a new creation in Christ. But don't beat yourself up because you haven't you know, stop certain uh, habits and things that take some time, take prayer, take, take you uh, going to God again and again and again. But I, I think just um, the way that it's changed my perspective on what's important has been the driving force of my life without a doubt, um, along with having, having, you know, met my wife and having kids and, and having um, them take the front seat, you know, before me every single day, of course. Um, so, I mean, in terms of my day-to-day life, I, I honestly 
have gotten to the point where God has blessed me so abundantly that there's no reason I shouldn't start every single morning and, and you should anyway, but I start out of gratitude. I start thanking God for, you know, from literally the, the moment I wake up for my wife, for my kids, um, for, for the opportunity he's given me. And I set out for God, how do you want to use me today? And, and if I'm, you know, if it's football season, it might be, how do you want to use me on the football field today? How do you want to use me in my day-to-day conversations with my team at work or with my clients? Um, and it's finding the openings and the opportunities, the space that God provides for us to then uh, live it out, right? And, and like we said, you know, the proof is in, in how, um, how we speak, how we act. But I guess I do want to keep coming back to that, Chelsea. I, I think it's important for folks listening that it doesn't mean you're going to bat a thousand, right? It doesn't mean you're shooting 100% from the three-point yeah. line. There's going to be times when you're going to fail. That's what grace is for. That's, God picks you up. Um, through that but I I think your foundation and what's you know Jesus is there to lift you up right I mean that's where you are uh, as a follower and without that it would be be a lot harder uh, I think as well and I'm glad you placed emphasis on that I actually had a conversation this morning about that very thing you know the question was asked me you know applying fundamentals uh, to our lives you know we're athletes but of course naturally in in the faith life, you know, you start out with fundamentals and then you have to expound upon that, right? But it takes repetition. And, you know, shout out to Mo Williams for that because it was an amazing conversation we had this morning. And I believe that iron definitely sharpens iron as the word says, and it was perfect. And I'm glad that you placed a huge like highlight on that because someone's listening. And when they do listen, they do, they believe. I said, you know, when you're baptized within the faith or you begin to believe in Christ, it's not like, ta-da, everything now is going to be easy. I've arrived. Oh, no. That's exactly when the enemy comes. Because just like I said, and I told him this, my response was, you're right. Because as coaches and as leaders, you know, there's just certain things that you don't ever write off an opponent. But let's be honest, there's more games sometimes that we prepare more than others, you know. And I tell to our athletes, you know, there's some games that you just know the probability is you're going to win that game by a large margin. Those aren't the games that you're going trying to, you know, talk a little smack or, you know, put a whole lot of emphasis on. So the same thing holds true for the enemy. When you give your life to Christ, he knows he's upset. He has a battle of his own. So that doesn't mean that things are going to be easy in those moments. It does become hard because as I tell people, when you pray, God hears you, but so does the enemy. And so in those moments, meet yourself with grace. I think that was huge, Brian, because so often we do, we feel, I got to get it right. I can't mess up. Oh goodness. Now, now that I am a, you know, a Christian, I'm growing my faith. I can't mess up. And the fact of the matter is, and I will say this loud and proud and clear. If God and his son did not know that we were going to sin and mess up, he wouldn't have sent his son to sacrifice. He didn't expect us to make mistakes. He would not have sent his son where that's why we celebrate on Friday. Okay. So I think that is amazing that you place emphasis on that. And as servant leaders, it's our job to continuously to remind those of that, because I feel those in faith don't grow because they do. They feel as if, oh my goodness, now there's this barrier on me and I can't live my life. And that's just not the case. So thank you so much for highlighting that. I think that was huge and actually an angle that I don't think we've discussed yet. So thank you for that. You know, in talking a a little bit more about, you know, this faith journey and servant leadership, sometimes people often 
when they see Brian or they see Coach Chelsea or they see anybody else, they feel that what we show, right, is what they know. And that's not the case. You know, I was talking to a servant leader, uh, Daryl Jones, and he, he was saying, you know, Chelsea, it's so funny. We give people the glory, but we don't give them the story. And I thought, mm-hmm. it was, and, and he said, that is one of the main reasons why those people that truly are trying to grow in this faith, they get confused because they feel that all that they see is success from us and they fail to see how we got there. So, you know, on your faith journey and in within your successes that you talked about, that's not what you, you know, are working for, but you've had some successes, but I'm sure there's been some valley moments as I like to call them. Can you talk a little bit about roadblocks that may have come into your life professionally or faith-based and then how you got over those moments leading with love and also within your faith? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, there's no way you get to the top without, you know, going through those struggles and having to climb, climb over hurdles. I think, uh, I think for me, um, you know, again, the, it's been perspective that has helped me in those moments, um, maturity that comes through, um, through faith, uh, through, through the, you know, the character and the endurance that, that are created in tough times like that, as scripture reminds us, right? That's why oftentimes we go through trials. It's to, to build up that endurance, to have that uh, strength that, that comes through that. And so when I look at some of the, the moments that, you know, maybe pre, um, pre-giving my life to Christ and post-giving my life to Christ, pre boy, I couldn't handle it. I'm not, first of all, I'm not good at losing, right? I'll just put that right out there. Ask, ask my okay. wife, ask my friends. I am not somebody who loves to lose. And that comes from a competitive streak in me. That comes from my family. My family's, uh, my, my dad and my uncle played D1 football. You know, I, I played college football. My brother uh, played college and, and pro ball overseas and, and is involved in sports. We love, we love competing. It's, you should see us, you know, family reunions and stuff. We're competing the whole time so <laughs> i'm not very i'm not very good at losing to begin with and uh and when i had the wrong purpose and, and foundation and, and purpose may not even be the right word but wrong priorities right when i was focused on the wrong things the wrong scoreboard um man that took it hard if i lost if i didn't go undefeated it, it was a personal attack on who i was and my identity and and that is the complete wrong way to look at it and so I think as I've matured, success has come with that maturity because I've handled it better. And I've understood that, look, you're going to have setbacks. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. And it's how you handle it. It's how you respond and, and, and how you acknowledge, look, God's got a better plan here. Right? I, I remember one of the first times that um, I, you know, I was reading scripture and I did you know, really go deep in the word right before I, you know, something happened work-wise. And I remember thinking of uh, Lot's wife who turned around and, and turned into a pillar of salt. And I yeah. remember, I remember this situation and I, God, like, you know, maybe not speaking to me, speaking, but hearing the word, don't look back, don't look back. And it was a walk away from a situation where, yeah, there was, there was, um, some income potential there. Yeah, there were certain things that I would, the old me would have said, you can't turn this down. There's no way you can turn this down. The new me said, God's telling you otherwise. And I don't know why, but you're not supposed to be there. You're not supposed to be traveling to this place. You're not, whatever it is. And and so I think being able to pay attention to the still small voice more, listening for God, understanding when things go wrong, 
and, and understanding that, hey, there's a, there's a purpose greater uh, here that you don't see quite yet, but God is behind this. That perspective has um, just made things. Then I'm ready when God does open the door that when I feel God there, that I know that this is the right thing for me to do, man, do I attack it. Man, am I still, I'm still competitive, right? I'm running to win. I'm attacking it. I'm going after it with everything I got. But it's the right thing as opposed to the wrong, the wrong thing that, that wasn't supposed to be there for me. So I think that's been a big part of my development, my growth. Um, I, just on a, a practical level, for what it's worth, uh, for listeners as well, I, I started keeping a five-year journal. And, uh, and so it's one of those journals where you have you know, year one, year two, year three, year four, year five. And I'm starting on the third year now. And looking back at what I was so worried about, what I was anxious about, what I was fearful of, two years ago and going, really? That's what I was upset about? Or you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, now I can see what, that, because that happened, this happened. Um, and we don't always see it, right? God has some, some mystery there that we don't necessarily see. But um, I think just having that perspective and, and, and understanding God's purpose is greater than mine and, and trusting in that has been a, a big part of my growth. I think that is huge. And even that last thing you said, that just hit me. I haven't even been able to write that down yet, but sinking in like God's purpose is greater than mine. And you think, Brian, that you were in my phone call this morning, because that's the same thing we were talking about as well in terms of trials work with patience. And it's the truth. And, you know, I was asked what brings me my joy. And I said, you know, I'm a nerd when it comes down to science, I am. Right. And, you know, we talked to my students about DNA. I was having a conversation with my nephew the other day about DNA. Right. And what's its purpose? Like, you know, it's a blueprint to who we are and we're made and ingrained with God's DNA. And in that, the same thing you said, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect now. But what it means is that we've been equipped with the very things that he's trying to build us. Your father and there's certain things that I'm sure your children do not like when you punish or you redirect but you know the outcome in mind. And so when you said that, and then you ended it with God's purpose is greater than mine, we just have to trust him. You know, that doesn't mean that we stop attacking, or as you said, you know, we're going to keep running our race, but you focus now on the bigger scoreboard. And I love that. I told somebody the other day, and I hadn't even tweeted this out yet, but I'm going to put it here because it was the truth. I get my best ideas in the shower, Brian, and tell people that, and they laugh, but I really do. It's the one place where there's nobody else. It's just me. And so God says, let me get her in the shower because she has my full attention. And it was just like, it's funny and talking about coaches and sports and leadership, you know, if we're told we win, we're told, we say, hey, Brian, this game that your baby's going to play, they're about to win. Someone comes and tells you right now. Now, you don't know what the first through fourth quarter is going to look like. You have no idea. But we're told we win. You know, I'm basketball. And I said, it's funny how we were so quickly get upset because at the tip off, the ball doesn't come to us. And in life, right, the tip off is where we stop. We got to jump off and now the opponent got it. And now we're done. Oh my God, it didn't roll my way. But I just told you that when this buzzer ends, you win. So all that to say exactly what you, you just put out there in that answer. In the end, we win. We just have to make sure that we follow God's purpose for our lives. It's not going to feel good. That's why there's turnovers, and, and that's why they, the defense can get a pick six in a minute. We know there's columns because mistakes will be made, but in the end, we win, and we just have to follow God's purpose and keep our minds on the right scoreboard. That was huge. Man, 
was huge buy-in. You know, as we talk about and knowing this is a servant leadership platform, I tell people all the time that servant leader is, it is a term, you know, that is growing quickly. It's been out there for a while. And much like love, I tell people love is an action word. We can say it all we want to, but if your actions do not align, if your actions do not align, it's going to be like, okay, right? So servant leadership is the same way. We can say we're servant leaders and we practice servant leadership, but that doesn't mean that that's what we're properly doing. So I always ask this question, right? In servant leadership, I am on a mission of creating the longest but truest definition of servant leadership to you as a father, as a husband, as a man of God, and all your walks of life. What does servant leadership mean and look like to you? Wow. So I think it's an important question. And I think that uh, certainly we're we're, we're called to serve, right? In terms of what comes to mind right out of the gate, um, you know, Jesus calls us to, to be humble and to be servants by his example. And so to me, it, it means following, following that example of Christ, which is the perfect example. Um, it means sacrificing in many cases, what's maybe not say phrases, what's best for us, but sacrifice, um, sacrifice our, ourselves in many cases for the benefit of others. And it might, it might be our time, it might be our energy, it might be um, you know, a, a result that is not above and beyond what God is calling us uh, to bring about, which is greater. Um, it could be, you know, like we talked about in terms of coaching, it could be the importance of developing th- these young people um, for who they're gonna become is so much more important than that next play. That's so much more important than uh, maybe they, maybe in some cases they are supposed to lose this game, right? Yeah. I, I tell you, I remember more losses than I remember wins in terms yeah. of playing because, as I told you, I hated losing. That's part of why I remembered it. But it's it's understanding that it goes beyond ourselves and it comes back to what we can do for those around us. Um, that to me is servant leadership, and uh, it's humbly serving those around us with love. I think that is so amazing, right? I mean, all of it that you said was perfect, but there was a point that I think we missed the mark, the point where there is a fine line, where things turn gray, is sacrificing ourselves for the benefit of others. You know, and as uh, Coach Cabral Huff would say all the time, he had to hop off, uh, but he would say this all the time, you know, it's serving while while it may be inconvenient, you know, Mm. and majority of the time it is. Because true servant leaders, nine times out of 10, that plate is full. You and I know this. You know, we've had moments where we think we're talking in the next 30 minutes and then something happens in five, you know, and it, and it happens. But it's still pushing through to make sure that the, the goal in mind, the purpose is always to help build others. Because that's what Christ did. And, you know, I think that is amazing. That is a new definition that we haven't had that piece. So I thank you for that. You know, I always say this in 2020, the pandemic was, and it is still here. I can't say was, right? But it has been, you know, the single most life-changing thing for a lot of people. Um, And I tell people all the time, you know, most people have different sentiments towards it. But for me, it really was enlightening if if you look at it the right way. What has the pandemic taught you? Um, If if, if anything, if there's something that just kind of sticks out, what has the pandemic taught you that you may not have had before or maybe was trying to build upon? So I I would say, and it's it's a lesson that still needs repetition big time for me, 
um, we live really fast um, as a family, as, as just in general people, right? And it, it's still, fe- it's, it's such a weird time, Chelsea, right? It, I describe it yeah. as it's the, the days fly by and, and, and yet they're also long, right? And, and, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's long, and there's this longing for, for, you know, connection. There's this longing for being with people, missing your family, missing, you know, those kind of things. But it still flies by. It's still busy. And so I think something that I'm learning, I wouldn't say that necessarily taught me quite yet, it's, it's, carve, it's the importance of carving that time out, um, A, to connect with God, and B, also just to listen to ourselves a little bit, just to have that space to hear and think and, um, you know, I, not be tied to a device, not be, um, you know, called to a meeting. So I, I've really tried to carve that out. Uh, for me, it's getting out in nature. It's, it's going on a trail run with my dog. It's um, going for a ride. It's, you know, doing something with my kids outside. But um, you know, I, I work, usually I work and commute back and forth to Philadelphia. And so I'm in my car a lot, uh, which by the way, I never complain about. It's the quietest place that I'm ever around <laughs> with kids in my house and compared to my office. But uh, commute back and forth there. I'm in the city, I'm in an office. I'm commuting back. I'm trying to get back. If I'm coaching, I'm rushing, I'm getting changed. I'm eating, I'm going to the field. And our kids schedule with sports is, is almost, you know, they're playing three sports a season sometimes. So, you know, it's from one practice to the other. I think it's just this time of slowing down and creating space that I think is by far um, it's reemphasizing the importance of that in, in my life. And uh, I just think it's so important. I think sometimes we, we sacrifice the long uh, win that you can have by carving out that quiet space um, for, for the short term. I need to get this done right this second. And, mm. you know, remembering that has been really important to me. Uh, to kind of refuel with that as well. I think that is amazing. And you're right. I said the same thing. I'm like, it is crazy how these days are so long. A lot of the things that we've been doing have been paused, yet the year flew by. <laughs> it was a crazy thing. I'm like, y'all, we're in December. They're in, in a fast pace, like you said, it is, it's more likely that we're moving fast paced than that a slower pace uh, prior to this pandemic. And it seems like the months still kind of slowly turned on the calendar. I blinked and it was December, right? Now closest to 2021. And so I think that's so perfect. I think the other portion that you stated was, you know, pay attention to the things we never really appreciated, the simple things, but they're not simple. They really are big. We just deduce them. As you said, we miss the big win because we're ready for that immediate gain. You know, take that walk. Being still. You know, it's hard to, I tell the kids all the time, and you, you mentioned this, I love my nieces and nephews, and you're trying to tell them something, but they're moving. They're ready to go. <laughs> and that's how we are. And how can God ever answer the questions that we've been asking all year or for the past three years or five years, like your journal, if we don't be still? And I think that was perfect. We have to, that's a huge reminder for us all as servant leaders to just be still. And you really didn't have a choice in 2020, right? Oh. Right. And as you're saying, be still and be quiet. Uh, there's kids ringing our doorbell, the dog's <laughs> about to bark and run through the door. So, that's, so it's, you know, it's making sure you get out and make that time for it, for sure. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love it. You know, it's so funny. I tell people all the time, you know, you try your best at the very beginning. It's like, hold on, mute. Be quiet. Yeah. 
No, the best ones are when you hear stuff. I remember I was on a couple of weeks ago with uh, Rashawn Ali and, you know, she, her and her husband both were in a podcast at the same time. She was like, baby, you just too loud. You just too loud. Like, you know, but we're all in this. We've all been there. You know, we all have that. I told you my, my niece is my co-host to my left. And it's like, boo, this is just what it is. You know, we're here <laughs> and somebody's going to relate. They're going to hear this and say, me too. I was trying to do something else and I had my nephew, you know, so it is all good to me. You know, we're going to start closing up here. Um, but one of the things that I did want to target on um, a few more things for you is, of course, in this uh, year, you know, you and I, we can kind of take a look and have some insight on things that we've gained. But there have been, um, you know, some loss. There have been some loss of people. And I don't mean just an actual loss of lives. I mean, loss of jobs. I mean, loss of hope. Um, and in that, as a servant leader, it is our job to, you know, encourage, right? And so if there was anything that you would say to a coach, uh, a leader in so many rights, an athlete, right? Because so many athletes didn't get a chance to, you know, play their seasons and they're really hurting with that. How would you give them some insight to that? You know, I love Fantasia. She's a singer and she always says, sometimes you have to lose to win again, that there really are wins and things that we think are losses. What would you say to them? Yeah, you know, I wrote about the four Ps in my book. So purpose, passion, perseverance, and perspective. And so, and I talked a little about perspective already here. Perseverance, you know, it, it may not feel like it right now, um, but I, I do think this time is, is teaching us a lot about perseverance. And sometimes it, it's, you know, it, it is a loss when, when you do have something that's important to you that you're passionate about that you believe in you you want to be around your teammates you want to be um competing and and you want to be hopefully using that platform for god's glory and, and, and doing other things with it um but there's other there's other ways right now from a platform standpoint that you can still persevere and use that in, in i think some great ways and you know i think certainly it's being there for folks that you know are deeply affected by this um, we all have the friends and I'm sure the players all have the teammates that they know this is having a, an even tougher impact on, on that teammate, you know, that they haven't seen maybe in several weeks. And it might be as simple as sending a text. It might be a phone call. It might be, you know, a nice gesture, writing a card, whatever it is. Um, you know, I think our family always tries to find ways. We talk about this with the boys all the time of, you know, can you think of somebody that, you know, we try to find something that they're passionate about that you can think of somebody that is really sad that we want to help or that we can do something that will make somebody really happy, right? It's it's one of those two sides of the pendulum. And it. they may say, well, I, you know, I got so-and-so from school and, um, you know, he really, he has special needs and he can't be there right now. And so I want to do something for him. And it's identifying those, um, those lonely people, you know, the, the orphans and the widows, right, that we're called to serve as Christians. And it's finding that opportunity to, to, in some small way, brighten their day. So I, I think that right now it's, it's hard for all of us. And I do think it's hard. You don't want to go to the point where, you know, you're wearing yourself thin yourself, right? We all got to take care of ourselves um, and, and have the right energy and have, have um, you know, fill up certainly in prayer and, and, and all those things we got to do each day. But when we do feel that energized, you know, Holy Spirit building up in us, it's, it's finding opportunities to serve those folks that really need it most. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that's really, you know, I, I would call 
uh, a coach or or a student or a player right now, think of one person. You know, think of one person who you can imagine right now is really feeling hard, hard hit by this. And guess what? You might be that person too, but if you take the time to go help someone else, you're going to feel better too. It's going to help you and, and it's going to also be contagious in that way. So maybe that's just a message to say, persevere through identifying those folks and doing something. I think that's huge. And I love one, how you're already building, I'm going to call them mini servant leaders. I love that. Um, because it does, much like I said at the opening of this, it has to start somewhere. And it's our job to be able to teach them and build that up in them, the things that we want them to see. All right. The other portion to that is, you know, when we're identifying those needs, you start to pay attention to it. And it's much like what you said, uh, uh, what, maybe a couple of years ago, I did um, a devotional with some friends of mine. And, and the basis of it was praying for everyone else. And the, the journal and devotional provided a space where you prayed, you matched up with someone else and you prayed for their needs. They sent them to you. You do not, and that didn't mean in your outside life, you don't pray for yourself or other things, but the goal in mind was to pray for everyone else. And what you started to realize is not only, like you said, do you feel better? But the other part to that is you start to realize that those same blessings that you hoped for, because you were spending that time praying and standing in a gap and building up someone else, they start to come to pass for you. Why? Because at the same time you were praying for someone else, someone else was praying for you. And is that not what God has called us to do and be? And did he not say, two or three are gathered in his name, there he'll be also. And so I think that's so amazing that you've identified that because if I can look to someone else, if I can help someone else, it takes that energy off of what I'm having a pity party about. And it starts to see the bigger picture. I tell my kids all the time, I said, do me a favor. And I want you to just tell me your, your most prized possession. Oh, you know, you'll hear it all. My AirPods, my phone, you know, my Jordans, this X, Y, Z. And I said, do you know there's some people that don't have that? And, you know, to some of them, it's like, what do you mean? You know, because in their mind, it's everyone has is on the same playing field. And when you start to break it down that way, it's like, oh, you know, Ms. Johnson, our coach, I didn't really realize that until you said that. And then they start wanting to help other people. And in helping other people, you truly do begin to feel better. You do. You know, I've been there, you know, not feeling up to it. But you get to a volunteer event, you see the expression of individuals' faces. You see the gratitude of these people who have nothing. And it's like, what am I complaining about again? Why was I upset again? And so I think that is golden. But the last thing that you said is also streamlining to my final question for you for today. You mentioned that we also have to make sure that in servant leadership, we don't run off of fumes, that it's good to help and identify the needs of others, but we have to also make sure that we're not running ourselves thin. In this life, all facets of servant leadership, unfortunately, our plates get really, really full really full and it does get to a place where you feel like you are running on e when you get to that place what brings you back to balance what fills that tank on a day-to-day basis when you know i just need a minute what are some of the things you do to fill your tank back up uh i, I think the practical side you know, i've talked about my morning routine and, and if yeah. i don't have my morning routine i'm dragging all day Right. Same. And, 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 and coffee is included in that morning routine as well. So coffee doesn't hurt um, in, in the morning. But I, I, uh, for me, working out is is an absolute medicine, right? I enjoy it. Uh, when I played football, believe it or not, I, I was an offensive lineman, so I was a much larger, hundred pounds bigger football player. That working out was more of a chore to some extent. And as I've 
gotten older, that's, that's my time. That's, that's really a great special time for me um, to clear my head. You mentioned you, you think in the shower, I do the same thing, but if I go for a run and just clear my head and think, and oftentimes just give thanks to God. Um, you know, my wife's the same way. She'll go for a run and half the music is, you know, songs that bring her back to, to memories that she can be thankful for. And, and so that for, for our family, working out is, um, is the best way to do it. We've gotten our kids involved when they're on their Zoom classes and they get a five minute break. We're doing pull-ups and we're doing push-ups. Um, it's, it's moving your body. It's, it's, again, being thankful for the blessing that I'm healthy enough to do these things. Or if it's going for a walk, or if it's you know, throwing a football in the backyard with my kids. Um, so I, I think that space and, and time for me um, is a non-negotiable. I write that into my calendar uh, every single day because I know that, again, it's, it's focusing on the long win. If I do that, I know that when I have the three-hour, four-hour meeting, I'm going to be you know, more prepared mentally, physically, even spiritually because I took that time to do that. Um, so just, I think, think that's something that's a practical one for me that has served me well, uh, the last couple of years, especially. I think that's awesome. And I feel you, if I don't have that morning routine, it's, yeah, it's not working. If somehow I oversleep, it's like, oh my goodness, I am dragging. So I totally get you on that. It just sets you up for the day. It really does. I, I tell people, I hear from God first. Y'all can stay sleep late. I hear from God first. Cause I'm up. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> Um, you know, as we begin to close, just something fun for you real quick. Of all the menus, since this is Christmas time, it's Christmas week, of all the menu items that could possibly be had, what is your favorite or, and, and I don't know, you may be a family that y'all change it up every year, but what's your favorite Christmas dish that sits on the table during Christmas time? So I don't know if we're going to do it this year. And it's it's an old, so I'm Italian, Catanella, there's a lot of vowels there. Nice. You can tell. So yeah. seven, the seven fishes is a famous uh, Italian tradition. Christmas Eve, you're supposed to eat seven different kinds of seafood. Essentially, my family would do everything you can imagine: fried calamari and nice. you know, codfish and all this. So our family, for many years, has made a what's called bouillabaisse. Put it all in a pot, put a bunch of tomato sauce in it, cook oh, it, man. and the whole house smells amazing. So that that's our go-to. Uh, but we, you know, this year it's a little different without family around. So, for example, instead of a turkey, we did a steak with chimichurri sauce. Nice. So we left it to the, the kids can decide and whatever they want. We might be having mac and cheese based on what they're probably going to want to pick. So who knows? <laughs> that's, we'll yeah. see what it is. But that's the bouillabaisse we love to have. Look, I've had that one time. Blew my mind. Amazing. I'm a seafood <laughs> lover, you know. My godmother, she loves seafood. She could eat every day if she could. And so I'm a huge beneficiary of that. Uh, so I know that we would love that. I had never heard that tradition before. I think that's amazing. That's one that I I would love to take part in. So, <laughs> and then of course, naturally, I know you're a dad, uh, and majority of the time at that point, you just kind of want your your wife and your your boys at, to be good, your children to be good for Christmas. But what is one thing, if not this year, your favorite Christmas gift uh, that you've gotten or that you hope to get this year? So I was sharing a little bit before the call, and we, we just rescued uh, a dog who named Dawkins after my favorite Eagles player of all time, Brian Dawkins. Um, and he's just brought so much love and joy in our house. And he's keeping us up like a, a third child, and he's decided <laughs> he wants to sleep in our bed. And that's that's been an interesting uh, challenge, but just the, the love we have for rescuing the, a dog that had a really tough history. Um, and watching our kids just love and care and fall asleep on them 
there's there's no greater joy than, than having that joy with my kids uh, and my wife who absolutely love them as well. It's been a lot of fun. That's been a, a Merry Christmas already for us. That's so awesome. I love it. I was hoping that you would share that part because I think it's, amazing. <laughs> you know, love the name. I think Dawkins is amazing. And, you know, with all that being said, I, I hope that you and your family all and Dawkins has an amazing Christmas of just, you know, taking the time to back up and pause and enjoy, much like you said, the joy of why we really celebrate uh, this holiday season. But I do want to take the time to thank you because this week has been kind of up and down. I'm pretty sure uh, the babies are like, daddy, let's go. Uh, but I thank you for your time uh, that you spent with me in this hour. I tell people all the time, time is the one thing that you give. We can't give it back. I cannot rewind. It, it's gone. So thank you so much just for being on today and sharing your wisdom. Before you go, can you A, tell people where to find your book and also where to find you on social media? Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, social media, I have to check the spelling, but I believe it's at uh, Brian Catanella on Twitter. And uh, leadwithlovebooks.com uh, is, is my blog website. Uh, send out something at least once a month in terms of writing. And the book is on Amazon uh, and also on the website. And, and if folks, as you know, Chelsea, it, the reason I wrote this book was really to share God's love. It's really to get out there in front of coaches, uh, to encourage them, to inspire them to find uh, the, the folks that are, are almost definitely listening to this show that uh, want to get out there and, and share God's love with their players and folks around them. So uh, please check it out and it would be, be great to keep in touch with some of the listeners as well. It would be wonderful. Absolutely. We thank you. And definitely guys go get it. I'm going to definitely go out and reach out for myself and a few people in my family that are readers as well. Um, so we thank you. Really quick, if you'll bow your head, we're going to say a quick prayer before we get out. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you right now for what we've seen and what we've heard. We don't ever want to take anything for granted, Lord God. So we just thank you because if you don't do anything else, you've already done enough. I ask right now, Lord God, a special prayer that you just continue to strengthen and carry Brian, his family, his, his new family member, Dawkins, but everything that his book and his, his leadership touches. Bless his team, Lord God. Bless his going out and his coming in. And I ask right now, Lord God, that you just hold us all in the heart of your hand. Help us, Lord God, at our point of need because you know what that may be. And I ask that you just allow us to remain safe in the midst of this pandemic in these times, but allow us to understand and remember the true reason for this season. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Brian, thank you so much. I tell everyone, you are now part of the Servant Leader family. So if there's anything that I can ever do for you, do not hesitate to reach out.